The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 through 44 says, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let's pray. God, would you help us to be diligent to be ready, Lord, that we would prepare now, not knowing the, the hour in which you're coming, but that you might find us faithful and waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we pray that you would make that true of our hearts, Lord, that we could say those words. It is well with our soul. Lord, we look forward to the day, Father, where you return, where you come back, God, and we worship you face to face. Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be silent. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so if we're ready Father it is well with our soul God thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've shown us through Jesus Christ Lord thank you that our sin not in part but the whole has been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more thank you for the grace the grace that we live under through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So good to have everybody here today. We've got all these students up here on the front row eager to hear this message. Aren't you, Cam? I am. Cam is ready to hear it. They're going to be commissioned off to, uh, after the end of the ser- at the end of the service, we're going to commission them because this week they're heading to church camp. Church camp is an awesome time, so I hope that y'all uh, are really excited about it. It's a great time to have fun. Isn't that right, Aiden? Aiden's like, what in the world are you talking to me for? Uh, this is a great week in y'all's life, and I hope that y'all are ready for it. I hope you go looking to have fun, but I hope that you go looking to meet with the Lord, being prepared for God to do great work in your heart. A lot of great work's been done in students' lives as they go off to camp. So I look forward to commissioning y'all at the end of our service. Betty, are you excited? You're not. Are you going to camp this year? Okay. You're missing out, girl. I'm telling you. All right. We'll catch you next year. Uh, Anyway, so uh, at the end of the service, we're going to commission them. So where are we? We're in the last sermon on the mount. Excuse me. Last sermon that he preached out of the five sermons that he preached in the book of Matthew. Uh, What we've been seeing is that Jesus has prepared his disciples to send them out to make disciples. That's really what we've seen over and over. We have been made disciples, and we've been sent out to make disciples. And that's the whole purpose of him making disciples. In the Olivet Discourse, the last one that we've been looking at, we're wrapping up today, and then we're going to head into our summer series, which is all about the Word of God. God gave his Word. And we're going to look at all aspects of that and how we got it. Why is it something we can believe and trust as the Word of God? If it is the Word of God, then how, how, how does it have authority in our life? Is it necessary, sufficient? It's going to be a, a great series on the power of the Word of God in our lives. But today we come to the end of this, uh, this Olivet Discourse. Last week we saw Jesus saying, 
Uh, I'm going to come back, and when I come back, I'm going to come with great power, so be ready. It's going to be like the floods that came in Noah's day, that when the flood comes, it's too late. You're not going to have time to build the ark, and so you need to be ready now. And We saw the, the most important aspect of being ready is putting your faith and trust in Christ alone, that when Christ comes and says he separates, as we'll see in our sermon today, in our text today, he separates those who are going to eternal life and those who go into eternal judgment, the, the dividing line is built on those who have faith in Christ. Those who are banking their righteousness is based on Jesus' righteousness, not their own. That they're not adding Jesus plus their own righteousness. They're saying, you God, you promised that wrath is coming, but you would save me from that wrath by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and I'm banking on that alone. I have faith in your promise about Jesus. And that's the ark that you, will, that you will be in, that will be the refuge that you find from the coming wrath. And so he says he's coming with power, but today we're looking at the last message. He says, and he comes with sudden, unexpected, it'll be like a thief in the night. Listen to what he said. Again, uh, Jared read it. Therefore, stay awake. So stay awake in this message, guys. Y'all in the front row. Stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. And so the idea that he uses today to say that he's coming and that the the need to stay awake, he uses this idea of a thief coming in the night. If you knew what time the thief would come during the long night, you would make sure that you stay awake. Has anyone ever had someone break into their home in the middle of the night? It's a terrible feeling. Uh, one night we were all sound asleep in our house. Everyone was always quiet in the house. And all of a sudden our alarm went off. And it wasn't one of those beep, beep, beep alarms like, guess what? The door's been open and you've got 30 seconds to turn off the code. No, it was woo, woo. I mean, I ju- you know what I did because y'all know me. The alarm went off. It's instant panic button. And I get up and I am calm and I am cool. <laughs> And I'm going through my three-step emergency preparedness plan that we had posted on the wall. And I went out and calmly talked him out of my house. No, that's not what happened at all. That alarm went off, and I was up. It was like a cat hanging from the ceiling. I didn't know where I was. In my subconscious, unconscious panic state, I'm not even awake yet. I don't even remember how this happened. But somehow, I wake up, I hit the floor, and I'm walking straight out of my bedroom, straight to the back door where the alarm was going off. And I didn't even know where I was until I kind of come to consciousness staring at the back door as the alarm's going off and my heart is beating out my throat. And that's how safe my home is if anything happens. And I, I mean, it was a panic. It was an adrenaline rush. It was fear. It was confusion. It was, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know why this alarm is going off. And I can't remember the code to turn it off. That's the sense of alert that happened when the thief came in the night. Now, at the end of the first service, uh, Bothell was standing there at the end of the service. She goes, you did not tell what happened. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, did someone break in? No, I don't think so. I think we just had the door jar or something. So I want to make sure y'all know that everything was okay. So the thief came in the night or something happened in the night and it shook me to the core and it made my family realize they are not safe with me. (laughs) And so what Jesus is saying is that if you know 
when the thief is going to come, if you know at what hour that panic alarm is going to go off, you're going to stay awake. And he says, Jesus, when he returns, is going to come like a thief in the night. You don't know the hour, so stay awake. And he goes on to say, be ready for that moment. So what does it mean to stay awake? What does it look like? What does it mean to be ready for that sudden, unexpected day of the Lord? Well, we're going to look and we're going to answer that question today. And Jesus gives us the answer through three parables and a vision. Enormous amount of text. It's a lot of material. But it's interesting to me that Jesus, this is the last sermon recorded in Matthew of Jesus, and the very next words uh, is he heads into towards the cross, towards the crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. So this is the last bit of material that Jesus is covering before he leaves. And we see verse after verse after verse, his last sermon is about this long delay that's going to take place. This long delay is going to take place while Jesus is gone. But when he comes back, nobody knows the hour, but it's going to happen. Now, I wonder how many of us really believe it's ten. just as I was watching the clock, it turned 11 o'clock. How many of you think that he could come in the 11 o'clock hour? I mean, really, really believe it, that during this hour, Jesus could come back and everything that we're reading about could happen. What does it mean to be ready when he comes? He's going to tell us three parables and a vision, and it's going to paint a portrait of the faithful versus the foolish. Let's look at them. First of all, the parable of the servants. This is found in verses 45 through 51 of chapter 24. He says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant? So here's the faithful servant. Whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, and the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, and he'll cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So first, what does it look like to be a faithful servant prepared for the return of the Lord? We see two servants, this parable of two servants. Now, these servants are servants among servants giving responsibility over the household of the master as the master has gone away. And that we seems like these servants have some kind of lead among other servants, servant, servant leader among other servants. It's like when Camp in the City came recently, all the counselors came, they stayed in homes. We had three counselors stay in our home. And the three come and you could just clearly see one was different than the other two. Not only was she a head taller than the other, but you could tell she just had this sense about her. She knew what was going on. She knew what to expect that week, that week because this was her third year. And the other two were newbies and they were bright eyed, they were excited, they had no idea how much jumping they had ahead of them for that week. And so I was asking them, getting to know them, saying, hey, so tell me about, tell me about yourselves. Now, who are y'all? And she's like telling all about it. And she's trying to be humble. But someone there, she said, well, I'm the point person in, of this group. And I was like, oh, really? Of course, I'm going to have fun with that. I was like, what does it mean to be the point person? Oh, nothing. And I was like, no, I don't call you a point person for nothing. Why are you the point person? She's like, oh, I just, I've been here before. I said, basically, you, you know what it is. You point and they have to do it. 
And she goes, well, yeah, kind of, that's right. I was like, okay. So when you tell them, put the phone up, they put the phone up. When you tell them to go to bed, they go to bed. So she was a servant just like the others, but she had responsibility and authority over those. So that's what it seems like we're dealing with here, some servant, a servant leader of the other servants in the master's household. And so the master goes away, and he puts them in charge of his possessions, and we see there are two servants. When the master returns, he finds one servant so doing. What does that mean? The servant was doing what the master expected him to do. The servant was faithfully fulfilling his or her responsibilities according to the master. They were taking care of the household responsibilities. They were taking care of feeding and taking care of the other servants. And so the the master returns and finds this faithful servant so doing, and so he then rewards the faithful servant. We see the faithful servant described in verse 36, blessed is that servant whom his, faster, his master will find so doing when he comes. He rewards him, verse 47. He sets him over all his possessions. So we'll, we'll wrap all this up at the end of what is this faithful servant and what is the reward and the punishment. But just hold, me, hold that with me right now. So first of all, we see this portrait of a faithful servant is described this way. You might want to write this down. Faithful one will be found doing what his master expects him to do during the delay. So the first attribute of the faithful servant is the faithful one will be found doing what his master expects him to be doing during the delay. And it's this delay that seems to be important in all these parables. It's the delay that seems to lull people to sleep. It's 11.04. It's the delay that could be revealing of our true colors. The servant that says, my master is away, but I know he's coming back. When he master comes back, he's found so doing what the master expects him to be doing. But not so the other servant. In verse 48, the other servant is described as a wicked servant who says to himself, my master is delayed. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. And then in verse 50, it says, The master of that servant will come on a day when the foolish servant does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know. Notice the difference. When he returns, it's like unexpected. In an hour I didn't know, the faithful servant is just a fulfillment of expectations. But this one who had begun to get drunk and neglect his duty has turned selfish, has self-indulgent and gluttonous and assumes the master's gone. I don't need to worry about that. I'll, I'll get myself right later when I, when, before he comes back. And it says that he comes unexpected in verse 51. The master will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. And a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's described as wicked. He's described, or he's told, he's described as a hypocrite. And a hypocrite is one who pretends to be one thing, but is altogether something different. So this servant claims to be a faithful servant. Claims to be a faithful member of the household of the master. He's pretending that while the master's away, that he's, he's one of his household. But over time, the long delay, the true colors start to show. A lot of times we go to camps, as y'all are about to do, and we get all straightened up. And that's good. I'm not criticizing that. That's good. 
But what matters is after the day, the days after camp, what's really there? What true colors are going to come forth in the long delay? Which type of servant are you? In the delay, it's 11.06 and he hasn't come yet. In the delay, what, what true colors are going, to, are going to show from your life? What will you be found doing when he returns? Will you be found faithfully carrying out your master's expectations? Or will you be found selfish, self-indulgent, gluttonous, neglectful of the duties that Christ has set before you? Next, we see the parable of the ten bridesmaids. This is in chapter 25, 1 through 13. Another look at what does it mean to be faithful or foolish. In verse 1, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet with the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the groom was delayed... They all became drowsy and slept, but at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. And then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Hey, give us some oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there's not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterward, the virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Though we don't have to know all the details of the wedding festivities back in the day to make the point, it is illustrative to know what was going on here in this scene. The bridegroom is the groom, and what they had, the traditions were that you got married, and then after the marriage, there would be this torch-lit parade where the bridesmaids, and the, the ten virgins are just simply unmarried bridesmaids. These ten bridesmaids would have this torch-lit parade parading the groom from the wedding to the reception where there was the wedding feast. But probably or likely after the wedding, there was a transaction going on with the, the groom and the in-laws, and it took a lot longer than was expected. There was this long delay. We don't know what caused the delay, and it doesn't matter, but I have a strong suspicion it was the photographer's fault. <laughs> because at our wedding... We had this beautiful wedding ceremony followed up by a beautiful reception at the Petroleum Club, which we had to drive to, but I missed 70% of it because of the photographer. Oh, we're just going to take a few more photos of the family after together since you couldn't see the bride beforehand, and it went on and on and on for these burnt orange carpet pictures that nobody ever looks at. I missed the reception. They had to make us a cold leftover plate and set it aside. So I think I know what happened. If there was a parade of ten bridesmaids with torches, I promise you they all would have fallen asleep at my wedding as well. And that's what we see happen. But they're not chastised for falling asleep. It says all of them fell asleep. The emphasis here is there was a long delay. The difference is in their preparedness 
to keep their torch lit during and throughout the entire delay. The wise bridesmaids had their torches lit. The torch was probably this long stick with cloth wrapped around it, and they would dip the cloth in oil and light it. And as it would need more oil, they had oil to keep the lit. So the point is the faithful bridesmaids kept their lights burning throughout the entire length of the delay. They were responsible, and they made sure that their lamp never went out. As opposed and contrary to them was the foolish bridesmaids who did not take extra oil, who did not take precaution to make sure that their light never went out during the delay. And notice in the parable that they could not borrow from the other. Each was responsible to make sure their own lamp did not fade during the delay. And so we see from this the second characteristic of a faithful servant is the faithful one makes sure their light stays lit Throughout the entire delay. Are you fanning the flames of faith as you await the Lord's return? It's 11-11. He could come back before 12. But every minute that passes, we're tempted to think he's not coming. We're tempted to think that, oh, the master's away. I don't need to worry about keeping my lamp lit. I don't need to worry about these things. I just want to have fun. I just want to relax. Are you fanning the flames of your faith? Are you reading the word of God? Are you praying? Are you having community with brothers and sisters? Are you serving? Are you doing those things to keep your lamp burning bright until the very end? That's what the faithful will do. Again, we see the unexpected delay is very revealing. Next, we see the parable of the talents. In verses 14 through 30, the parable of the talents. This is a very well-known parable. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents at once went away at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had one received one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled up with them. And he who had five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here. I've made two more. And his master said to him virtually the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. So we see the two faithful servants who were given different amounts of money. We, we think talents are abilities. The word talent 
actually isn't mean ability. In English it does, and it actually ends up being fine because it does also talk about abilities. But talent actually just means money. And so he gave them a bunch of money. He gave them, first one, five, five lifetimes of money, if you will. And what was important was not that he had had five or ten total in the end compared to two and two makes four. What was important is he got 100% return on the money. It seems to me the idea is he gave 100% effort, used all of his ability to, to have a return for the Lord. And, and you see the second one did the same, that though he only had two based on the ability that he had, he got 100% return on his money. He had two more to give when the Lord returned. And so what we see, the faithful servants are pictured as servants who have a relationship with their master that gives them confidence and trust and ability to say, look, I'm going to go and give it all I got, and I'm going to be fruitful for the Lord. So when he returns, he will, he will have a harvest for, for what I've been given. I will, I will make the most of every opportunity that the Lord gives me. I will do all that I have in my ability to make the most of every opportunity that the Lord gives. And, and I'm going to be found faithful when the, when the Lord returns. And notice the reward to those who did that. It wasn't, hey, you worked hard. You did great with what I gave you. Kick back and relax. No, and actually all these instances where the faithful had been doing had been acting faithfully, the reward is not an opportunity to check out and, and stop doing things. The reward is actually you've been faithful with little, so much more will be given. You were faithful over my household, so now I'm going to give you over all my possessions. You were faithful to do well, do well with the little I gave you, now I'm going to give you everything. In contrast to this faithful one, this faithful one who enthusiastically makes the most of every opportunity during the delay, in contrast, is this unfaithful, foolish, wicked servant. And what is he described as? He's described as his relationship with the master is one is known as fear, afraid, and not willing to, to make the most and, and take advantage of whatever the Lord places before them. Not taking advantage of his abilities and not making the most of every opportunity. Just slothful and not doing what the Lord has called him to do. And what is the punishment? You'll be cast, the worthless servant, into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the faithful, third characteristic of a faithful one, the faithful one enthusiastically makes the most of every opportunity during the delay. Are you making the most of every opportunity as you await the Lord's return? Do you understand this life is meant to serve the Lord, to advance the gospel, and to look for what the Lord has for you, to know that He is divinely, providentially, sovereignly involved in every aspect of your life and that their, their life is not an accident, that the Lord has a plan for you and he says, I want you to make the most of every opportunity. It's 1118. I could come back in just a second. Will you be found it said, and he immediately went out, will you be found enthusiastically making the most of every opportunity that the Lord sets before you? Or are you just kind of like, oh, the Lord's, he's not here. 
I'll figure that out. I'll get serious when I get older. So we've got three attributes of the faithful. The faithful one will be found doing what his master expects him to do during the delay. The faithful one makes sure their light stays lit throughout the delay. And the faithful one enthusiastically makes the most of every opportunity during the delay. Finally, Jesus casts the vision of that judgment day. Listen to the vision. This is Jesus telling us. This is his last words before he goes to heaven. He's describing that day when he comes back and he brings about his power and his wrath and his judgment that'll come like a flood. It'll come so quick. It'll come like a thief in the night that you won't have time to prepare. You better be ready before that moment comes. In verse 31, it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place on the, she- the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left hand. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And the king will say to them, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, When did we do all that for you? Saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and and welcome you, and naked and clothe you? When? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they will say, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away in eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life so we have here not a parable but a vision of that day of the Lord that will come suddenly like a thief in the night which there will be no more time to prepare it will be too late and we see that there's the sheep and the goat the faithful and the foolish the righteous and the wicked and the sheep are described as those who cared For humanity, those who had practical evidence of their faith by caring for, by doing unto others as they would have done unto them, by loving their brothers as themselves, by feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, visiting those in need, and just, it wasn't just within the church because they were like, wait, what? I didn't even know I was doing this for you, Jesus. 
So at least if it was in the church alone, they would have said, well, this is the body of Christ. I'm doing this for Jesus. This is a person who is so transformed by Jesus that their life spills over as love for others. And Jesus says to them, come and inherit the kingdom that I have established before you from the foundations of the earth. So, so here's the reward for believers. The reward is not something that you've earned. It's not something that, oh, you did enough good deeds and so now God's going to reward you. The reward is more of the same. You've been following Jesus and you've been living for Jesus. You've been stewarding his resources, the abilities that he gave you for his kingdom purposes, for his glory, for the advancement of the gospel, for the making of disciples. You've been caring for the household of faith. You've been taking care of your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've been ministering to those, to the least of these in and among us, in the community, in our church, wherever you go. As you were going, you were making disciples to the glory of God, and you've been experiencing the joy of Christ as you've done it. And eternal life when he returns is a simple, beautiful, glorious, long-awaited transition to more of the same, where he says, this is my kingdom. Come reign and rule with me. You participate in my joy. Enter into the fullness of the joy of doing what you've been doing. It's the complete fulfillment of what you've already been doing to the glory of God. You will be made fellow co-heirs of the kingdom of God. You will be made kings of his kingdom. That's your reward. It's not kicking back in some boring celestial existence that doesn't sound much fun. It's reigning and ruling with your king Jesus. But to those who are the fools or the unfaithful or the wicked or the slothful or the hypocritical or the self-indulgent or the drunkards, those who think that while he's gone, it's time to party and get away with what I can. It's time to just be all about me, myself, to the neglect of others. Those who have not been concerned with his kingdom or his gospel or making disciples. Those who do not live their life in submission to King Jesus when he comes suddenly at 1126. It's time to meet our maker. And we are cast into the place that is described with terrible descriptions like eternal fire. Like where there will be nothing but weeping and gnashing of teeth. Torment, judgment, wrath. Which one are you? He could come at any moment. There's no doubt about it. The scriptures makes it perfectly clear. We should live with a sense of his return is imminent. It can happen at any moment. And that's the greatest challenge of this passage. I just have a hard time believing that he really could come back this hour. But that's the, tr that's the truth of the scriptures. What will this delay reveal about our lives the faithful, the faithful one who has been born again by the Spirit of God will be found doing what his master expects him to do. We've entitled this series, Sent. He will be found, she will be found making disciples 
as they are going about their life. The faithful one will make sure their light shines bright. They will be in the word of God, praying in community of faith, and fanning the flames of faith, making sure the bright holiness light of the gospel is shining bright as they're making disciples of all nations. The faithful one will be enthusiastically making the most of every opportunity with whatever abilities they have. They won't be making excuses. They won't be making time delays. They won't be looking for opportunities out. They will be found enthusiastically making the most of every opportunity to expand the gospel, keeping the torch lit bright for the glory of God. And the faithful, by God's grace, by God's preservation, by God's enablement, by the Holy Spirit, the faithful ones will be actively loving the least of these wherever they go. So we need to understand the point. There's a long delay. But don't let that lull you to sleep. Stay awake. Because he is coming back. The servants looked the same, but the delay revealed selfishness in one servant. The bridesmaid looked the same, but the delay revealed a foolish, lazy lack of wisdom to keep that flame, that diligence, keep that flame burning. The three stewards looked the same, but the delay revealed a fruitlessness in one. On Judgment Day, the sheep and the goat all kind of look alike. But Jesus knows the difference. And he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. And only the righteous, those who are righteous in Christ, will enter into his great reward. May the Lord find us faithful on that day. Father God, we pray for your grace. We pray for your enablement. We pray for your perseverance. We pray for your sealing of us to keep us faithful. Lord, may we be found faithful on that day. Lord, the good news today is that everyone can be covered, can be declared righteous, can be safe, can be secure in the refuge, in the, in the ark of salvation, Jesus Christ. I pray if you're here today and you are afraid of that day, I pray that if that day scares you or you dread that day, that it won't be a day that you dread anymore, that you will find salvation by faith in Jesus alone. Right now, trust Jesus. Take refuge in Jesus. He is the ark of our salvation in the coming flood. He will make you faithful. He will be your faithfulness. He will be your righteousness on that day. And he will move you and he will, he will motivate you to, to be disciple makers, to keep that torch lit, to, to be about the business of the Lord and to love others as he has loved you. Trust in Christ today. Don't wait another day. And as we sing this song, I pray as the Lord does business in your heart, I invite you to come to the altar and do business with the Lord. You don't have to talk to me. You can just come and pray at the altar, but I'll be up front if you want to come talk to me and pray. 
But do business with the Lord. It's 1130. And the Lord is coming back. Just stand and sing with me. Amen, amen. We do turn to Christ as our living hope. At this time, I want to get the students to gather around. Anyone who wants to come lay hands, y'all come forward. And if you want to lay hands on them and pray for them with me, come forward now. Come on up, come on up. And uh, y'all can kind of bunch together in a huddle. Y'all huddle up, make it easier to to lay hands on y'all. And uh, hey, again, I want to tell y'all what I said early um, in the service before y'all are awake. Everybody look at me for a second. If you're going to camp, look at me. Don't let this just be a fleeting moment in your life, right? Let this be a life-changing moment. Go seek Christ. Get to know him like you've never known before, and we'll be praying for you. Look at all these people. Look at all these people. They're promising right now during this prayer. They're going to be praying for all of you, and we're praying that God changes your heart by faith in Christ and then changes you forever, okay? So uh, if you bow your heads with me, I'll pray for you. We're going to pray this over y'all and ask God to make this happen in y'all's life. Father God, we praise your holy name. You are our living hope. These incredible young men and women, just incredible uh, blessings in our lives, Lord. We pray that this week will be transformative, that you will rock their world, that they will come to know the grace of God that is available through them, to them through Jesus Christ. May none of them trust in their own works. May none of them think that they can be good enough to go to heaven. May they be reminded this week that only Jesus can be their righteousness. And that in their understanding that they have gone from death to life by faith in Christ, that you will change their life forever. That they will realize that every day of this life is meant to be serving the one who saved them and looking forward to your return. Lord, I pray you'll do a great, powerful, mighty work in their lives and in those that they serve while they're away. Bring them back safely and and bring them back torches brightly burning for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.